Fraught Thoughts, where we talk about anything, everything under the stars. Sorry, I'm like kind of on one right now, so um, this will be really interesting, but I'm thinking we discuss a really interesting question that everyone may or may not have asked once in their lifetime before because I do be thinking this a lot because we got some kooky people out there you know we got some spicy like conspiracy theories you know what's up tiktok like tiktok is a bunch of weird conspiracies and I'm not, like, smart, but I'm not, like, stupid. But I be leaving some of that shit, you know? Like, I go on TikTok, and then they're like, yo, um, just to let y'all know that there are aliens that exist, and the government has released all this information about aliens, um, all to distract us from the current, you know, um, recession. And I was like, mm. You kind of have a point because, I mean, I hate the government, you know. Uh, maybe this will come back and, you know, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. They come knocking on my door like, hello, what are you doing? What did you say about us? I'm like, y'all have a point, right? That kind of makes sense because I don't, I don't really, I don't really trust them out here. So I was like, mm. You know what? That does sound like something they would do. That does sound like something they would do. Anyways, conspiracy theories are crazy, and sometimes I do be believing them. Um, I can't get behind the flat earth thing, though. Um, that's just ridiculous. Because, yeah, that was, you know, 1492 columbus times like that was when they believed in the flat earth and like my guy we've gone to space now like i feel like it's i feel like it's round i don't know how to explain it to you i don't know the science to it i don't know physics i think the earth is round but you know if you think that it's like flat like a plate go go take a cruise Go take a cruise, see if you fall off the end. I mean, all for it, you know? Like, believe what you want to believe. Believe what you gotta. Whatever whatever makes you, you know, get through the day. If a flat earth gets you through the day, believe it. But today, we're going to address the question, why do smart people believe dumb things? Because... I am on a Netflix documentary spiral where I have watched the, um, so at first I, I started watching, well, okay, I'm a huge fan of Stephanie Sue. so if you listen to the Rotten Mango podcast, um, yeah, she has the best, like, rundowns of just, like, the craziest true crime things that happen. But she kind of uh, mentioned this one documentary, which talks about this, like, huge cult in Korea. And if if you're not familiar with, um, you know, 
Korea, like South Korea, is very much known to have a lot of religious cults. If you're on the streets in South Korea, there might be someone who comes up to you and asks for directions, and you're a foreigner and you have no idea what is going on, you may possibly be getting recruited into a cult. So if that says anything about how prevalent this is, but Stephanie Sue was talking about this one cult. It's called JMS or Jesus Morning Star. And it's led by um, this guy named Chong Myung Sok. And they made this documentary on Netflix and she was kind of recapping the documentary. Uh, it's called In, In the Name of God. And what I found so interesting about this um, documentary was that he actually started recruiting people for his cult in universities, which is like, okay, you know, it's really easy to get people, like uneducated people to believe in conspiracies and, you know, weird things. But you're going to a college university where these people are clearly getting their education. And this is where you start your like fantasy cult. And like what's crazy was that he basically painted himself as kind of like the next, you know, the next messiah. Like he's he is basically like God reincarnate. And his whole cult is like based off of like serving him and like making sure that like his needs are being met. And they genuinely believed that, you know, Myung-suk was, like, the one and only person that they should serve. So it got me thinking. I was like, wow, that's crazy. And the other thing about, like, his uh, recruiting process was that it wasn't that he just went to any university in South Korea. He went to... The big three. So they're called um, Sky, the Sky Universities. So like S, K, and Y. So S is for Seoul University, K is Korea University, and then Y is Yonsei University. And these are like, it's like the Stanford, Harvard, Yale of South Korea. Like these are like the top notch, like smartest students in the country. And that's where he got his whole start for this cult. And I was like, what the heck? Like, these are smart, like, bright, young people. I feel like, especially when you're younger, like, yeah, you can argue, like, you're a little bit more malleable and, you know, what your beliefs are. But, like, at the same time, I think young people, like, young adults are very, um, cynical. Uh, like, that explains why a lot of young people aren't very religious. Uh, especially now, like they're either super religious or they're not religious at all. And so I think there's a lot of like critical thinking that's like kind of being developed and you kind of question everything, you know, like things that you've been taught, like in, in the past, you're just like questioning all of that. But homie literally builds his cult off the ground and like he does a whole bunch of like really messed up things. Um but I recommend you like go and you know watch the documentary or listen to Stephanie's podcast. But that that is crazy. It was freaking crazy. 
So then I watched the, um, it was trending on Netflix, but it's the How to Become a Cult Leader documentary where they literally they discuss like some of the biggest cults in um just around the world they talked about um charles manson a lot um shoot i'm forgetting like all of these names uh oh i don't remember let me let me let me uh let me check marshall applewhite if you know uh jaime gomez Jim Jones, that's a big name. Uh, Am Shinriko and also Sun Myung Moon of the Unification Church and also in South Korea. Crazy. I highly suggest you watch those documentaries. But again, it's like, dang, like how do these people and like they don't just get any like regular regular people like some of them get have some like top notch, like really smart people work for them especially like in their inner circle like wow crazy but i was like why so clearly your intelligence level doesn't really matter for you believing dumb things like people seem to be pretty susceptible to believing some really stupid shit so so something that i picked up from like how to become a cult leader was that they seem to use some sort of like unattainable goal that they like dangle in front of you um, in order to make sure that you're loyal to the ideology. So it's like giving you the goal, like for Marshall Applewhite, he used like, oh, you need to be not human. Uh, because his whole whole cult ideology was that they wanted to ascend into space and to live in like an alien universe so they're like okay you know your goal is to not give into human urges um therefore for you to ascend into your alien form uh you cannot be human and i think for a lot of religious cults especially the unattainable goal is like you need to be perfect to a t like, you need to not have sex, you need to not have um, lustful desires, uh, you need to be able to control your um, impulses, uh, you need to, like, be perfect and not sin, all of that kind of stuff. But they seem to kind of dangle that unattainable goal so that you're like, dang, like, I will never get to that point. So you keep working at it and you're so, like, at that point, like, you've worked so hard at it. It's, like, maybe it's, like, the sunken cost fallacy where it's, like, I've put in, like, so much effort and work to be this, like, perfect ideal form, and I'm still not there yet. But I've spent all this time trying to get there, but I just, I just can't. I'm falling short. But it's, like, I've already gotten this far and put so much effort in. It's, like, maybe I should just keep going. And I think... Like, the, these are all just kind of my my little tidbits, but I think smart people also can have a pretty low self-confidence. Um, kind of what I've noticed is that, you know the saying, like, the more you learn, the less you know? Like, I've heard that saying a lot, and it actually, it kind of makes sense because 
the more the more you understand about the world and the more information that you're receiving, the more you understand that you actually don't know about the universe or that you don't know about whatever you know subject that you're trying to understand. And so there's like some sort of like graph and I, oh no, I need to look this up again. This is why this is not like a visual episode because I am looking things up left and right. Um, me Googling graph, uh, about human confidence (laughs) and intelligence. Uh, oh, Dunning-Kruger? Have y'all heard of that? Dunning-Kruger. I don't know how scientifically backed it is, but it, like, kind of makes sense. But, um, so the hypothesis of Dunning, the Dunning-Kruger effect is that when you actually know nothing, you, you have high confidence, But then as you gain more information, your confidence just completely dips. You know, it's at like an all-time low. Um, The more you learn, the less confident you are until you actually get to the point where you're actually really smart. Like, let's say, for example, you finish your PhD or like something like that. Like the whole goal of a PhD is for you to push the boundaries of your research. So as you're discovering new things and you finish your PhD, at that point, it's like, okay, you know, you have a PhD that's like the top degree that you can possibly get. You're like, you're at the peak of your freaking education. So at that point, it's like, yeah, you know, your confidence will be probably pretty high because you actually do know a lot of things about your field. But Probably when you first started your PhD, you didn't know shit about shit. And so you probably are like pretty low in confidence because you're like, oh, dang, like I I don't have any background information, you know, or maybe I have a little bit of background information, but I don't actually understand too like in depth how all of this comes together, how all of this works. So that like kind of understands. It kind of makes sense, but also, you know, take it with a grain of salt. It's it's a hypothesis, or I don't even know what it is. Some dude, some dude Dunning and Kruger made <laughs> made up this crap. It makes sense, but I don't know. Anyways, more you learn, the less you know. But I think, like, smart people with their low, you know, self-confidence, I think they're, they're more drawn i think when you have low self-confidence you're more drawn to people who do have a lot of self-confidence you know like they kind of they're like magnets and it's like oh i want to be like them like i i i don't have this so i want to see it in other people and i'm more attracted to people who have it and so maybe that's why like these cults have like you know gotten themselves such a big following of like smarter people or people we would consider again you know intelligence is measured in many different ways in a lot of like you know iq tests are have been many times supported as you know not very valid and also very 
white. This I am kind of going on a tangent, but it's like just intelligence is not measured in one way, but just overall, generally, people that you consider intelligent seem to be drawn to weird ideas. Yeah, okay. That's my point. I think also, um, like, humans seem to want to always fill some sort of spiritual need. We Like, we, we carry a lot of blind faith for things. And that can be, like, our blind faith in love, in money, in fame, in power. Like, these are things that we think, oh, my God, if I obtain this, my life would be, like, a thousand times better, you know? It's like I – like, if I got – my um if i found the partner of my dreams like my life would be complete or you know if i had this much money if i was a billionaire you know i would be so fulfilled or if i was famous i'd be fulfilled um many things like like uh you know you fill it with a god or or not a god like people seem to trust things very easily uh, even though a lot of those things require some form of faith. So faith is like you don't you don't have a lot of evidence to back it up and you're just kind of going with it just because it's like intuitive to you. I don't know if I'm actually doing this right, but you know, okay, take it with a grain of salt. And I think in a lot of ways, um, science can't actually fill the role that spirituality plays uh in in human existence and so yeah like you can argue you know all things need to be backed by evidence but there there like you have to admit that there are things out there like coincidences or miracles or whatever you want to call them or you know something something out there that science just can't always answer you know and like science is very advanced nowadays especially with i don't know like quantum physics that's like a whole universe i just like completely don't understand like dark matter antimatter whatever the whatever the frick like i just i do mm, not not my thing okay don't ask me about those like, it's cool and all, but, like, you know, the whole thing, like, uh, some infinities are larger than others, that that doesn't make sense to me. So, you know, science can answer a lot, but it doesn't answer everything. And maybe one day it will. But as for now, the things that we cannot answer, you know, like, for me personally, like, the connection that I feel with other people, like, when I'm in a community and people are all you know, doing things together, like, I feel some so, sort of, like, deep, you know, uh, tie with those people, and, you know, maybe, maybe you can say it's, like, oh, it's, like, an evolutionary kind of, uh, evolutionary, uh, response, you know, for your survival, because, you know, we are social creatures. You can argue that, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of go with that, too. But it's like I feel like a deep kind of gut spiritual soul tie, you know, with 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 people. And 
I don't know that maybe that's why lonely people are depressed and you know, yeah. But there's something called uh, apophenia, which is it's the experience of seeing patterns or connections of random things or like meaningless datas. Um, so humans, in order for us, uh, well, like evolutionarily for for us to survive, we had like our brain cannot physically process every single little tidbit of information and decipher it. And so what our brain does is actually make shortcuts in order for us to recognize patterns just like as a whole to survive. And so we often overlook things. You know, like when you're like reading a book, you're not exactly like processing every single letter, every single word. You know, you kind of like your brain kind of takes a snapshot and you just like read that whole paragraph. And sometimes that means, you know, you'll mispronounce a word if you're reading it loud or if you'll miss a word and you'll just kind of fill in the blanks. Or if, you know, for example, when someone like our brains are crazy, but um we like to predict things and we like to pick up patterns. So, you know, when your friend is kind of talking and then they stop mid-sentence and then you literally like in your brain you fill in the words for them and then you say it out loud you're like oh you mean this they're like yeah that's what i was gonna say like your brain is crazy like that but anyways um so some terms uh apophenia yes experience of seeing patterns or connections in random or meaningless data also, you know, humans are predisposed for confirmation bias, so that means we favor conditions, uh, we favor information that confirms what we believe. Oh, I also think um, people very much crave, like, stability, and so that's why we try to s- try to find these patterns or things that we can recognize in, like, amidst of, you know, chaos. And, and I think that's why you know, people get involved with, like, religion or, like, practices or spiritual practices for a long term because that means they have something, you know, there's something that's guiding you in the midst of all this, you know, chaos. Oh, yeah. So, for example, there are things called cognitive illusions where uh, it's basically, like, shortcuts in your perception. So, you know how we you know what optical illusions are right like your brain kind of makes those shortcuts and so things that you're seeing aren't actually like you're perceiving something but that's not actually what it is right so like if you see like different corners like corners of your wall and your ceiling and they're painted the same color you'll see that the ceiling shade might actually look darker and that the the wall farther from you also looks darker than the wall that's next to you or like closer to you even though they're all the same shade, it's just your eye kind of deceiving you. Yeah, optical illusions. Um, you know, like the dress, the blue dress, the 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 black and blue and the white and gold. Yeah, optical illusions. But your your brain does that with your perceptions, and so that can be, for example, like we seem to always try to find faces and things. So that's why you know when you, um, you know when you're in sleep paralysis, you seem to see faces staring at you and that that's really creepy um or you seem to see like human forms and shadows or you see like recognizable shapes and clouds like you're staring up at the clouds and you're like oh my god that's a that's a dog that is um that's a car 
even though the cloud is probably not anything close to what that is, but you like recognize it. And like out of all of the little, you know, spots of clouds, you find this one thing that you're like, oh my God, that kind of looks like something that I know. Uh, Like gamblers, they believe in like runs of luck, even though it's just everything is by chance, but they literally think that they have run out of luck. They're like, oh, things are going so well right now. Like it's bound to go bad. Or, um, you know, when like the ghost hunters, they like go and like flip through the radio stations, whatever that thing is called, but it like flips through a bunch of like, uh, radio stations, like super, super, super fast. And so they think that they can make the ghosts talk to them via like radio waves, but it's really them just kind of hearing things that like, like it could just be like mumbling like sounds just random sounds being put together from the flipping through the radio stations but they think it's the ghost is saying like run <laughs> or like i'm gonna find your mom <laughs> like something like that we seem to create shortcuts in order for us to pick up patterns basically is my point there's another thing interesting um uh so okay i've I took a class, like, kind of answering this question, it, um, like, why do smart people believe dumb things? I took a seminar uh, at my school, and we read this book called, ooh, it's by Ben Goldacre, and I'll actually link this in the description, but it's called Why Clever People Believe Stupid Things. That's the chapter. It's chapter 13 of Goldacre's Bad Science. It's a really interesting read. I would actually highly recommend it. And, he, like, the the author is a bit of a smartass, but, you know, it's kind of funny occasionally. Yeah, so there's something that Goldacre talks about, which is called regression to the mean. So it means that things don't naturally exist in extremes. So, like... If you if if things are leaning toward towards an extreme, like eventually it will settle down to some sort of middle ground. And that means that, you know, you might be more predisposed to associate something that's happening with something that you're doing rather than assuming that it's just naturally kind of, you know, settling down. So <clears throat> What do I mean by this? So for an example, let's say you have a horrible stomach pain, okay? You have a really bad stomach pain. Um, dang, like this this hurts so, so freaking bad. And of course, you know, when you're in the most amount of pain, you are more likely to want to seek any sort of remedy, just like anything at all. And so... What regression to the mean means, to the mean means, <laughs> what regression to the mean means is that eventually this stomach pain cannot last for freaking forever. It's going to settle down eventually, right? Like either your your stomach kind of like solves itself, like you throw up or something like that and you feel better or like it's just you just cannot exist in that kind of extreme pain. It's just not going to it's not going to work that way. Like your your body's literally going to like shut down or something. So, 
But if, if you're like in the most pain you've ever experienced before, you're going to go onto Google and you're going to search up home remedies for my stomach pain, right? You know how people are like, oh, you should drink like Sprite or like soda or something or like a Coke. So let's say you you go onto Google and you're like, oh my God, stomach pain hurts. Ow. And then it says, you should drink a, you should chug a bottle of Coke. And you're like, mm, okay, I guess. I'm in so much pain and I want this to end. I will literally do anything. So you chug a bottle of Coke. And then eventually, you know, that stomach pain like decreases and you're like, oh my God, this feels so much better than it did before. So you're like, oh, so therefore me chugging a bottle of Coke helps my stomach issues, even though if you didn't chug that bottle of Coke, it would have, the pain would have died down anyways. You know what I'm saying? You're seeing like a causal relationship in something that like doesn't actually have anything to do with each other, you know? So after that, you're like, okay, you know, once I get another stomach ache, I'm going to chug another bottle of Coke. And another thing interesting was that because we have confirmation bias, like maybe you go into Google, like you have a friend who's like, I don't actually think that chugging a bottle of Coke will really work. And you're like, oh, really? Like, let me go Google it. And then you go into Google and you literally search how does Coke help your stomach ache? Or does Coke help stomach ache? And then all the Google results that are going to pop up are going to have something to do with your stomach ache and Coke. And it's not going to tell you about, you know, other remedies. And so maybe one site will be like, oh, yeah, like, you know, it kind of works a little. Or others, like, maybe because you're actually, like, drinking something, getting, like, fluids into your stomach. Like they're like, oh yeah, it like kind of works, but then you're you're not finding information about like, oh maybe um like ginger or like peppermint or like chamomile tea will will be a lot better. But all your all you searched was does Coke help stomach ache, and so that's all the information that you get. And then all you're reading are articles about Coke and your stomach ache. And then also you're like only listening and like reading the articles that says yes, Coke helps your stomach ache. You know, you're, like, purposely selecting information. Oh, yeah, another th another thing, um, I think that, like, makes us, I think this makes humans, like, super interesting because you know how, like, athletes have, um, a lot of them have, like, pre-race rituals or, like, pre-game rituals? So I swam for, like, most of my life, like, a big chunk of my life. Um, I was in competitive swimming, and some of the things I noticed was that people... Uh, swimmers tend to do some sort of like little little thing before they get on the um, blocks before they like uh, start their race. And so what some swimmers will do will be they like jump in the water and like get their goggles wet or something or they'll like splash waters on on themselves or they'll like hit their thighs or Michael Phelps does this little like arm arm swinging thing arm swinging stretch. Um, some people, some swimmers do some nasty things and, like, spit in the pool. Um, uh, for me, I was very obsessively making sure that my cap and goggles were not going to fall off when I jumped into the water because that, uh, terrified me. Yeah, I was not about to swim blind. So I would literally, like, push my, my 
like goggles into my eye sockets until they hurt. Um, yeah, because I was not, I was not about to do that. So, um, maybe like what I'm saying is like these rituals might have come up because the swimmer did it once. And then they had it, they just so happened to have a good brace. And they're like, oh, okay, I'm going to start doing this now. Like, I'm associating me having a good brace with me doing this before I, you know, got into the water and started swimming my race. So even though it's like, oh, you know, not me discounting all of those hours of swim practice and me like fixing up certain technical things so that I'm swimming faster, no, it's because I, um, slapped my ass before I dove into the water. And that's why I did so good. And so from then that point on, the swimmer starts slapping their own ass before they dive into the water. And then it becomes this whole thing where they believe that if they don't slap their own ass before they get into the water that they will not have a good race and then they psych themselves out so that one day when they forget to slap their own ass they do horrifically because they're like oh my god i'm no the race just started i forgot to slap my ass and here i am you know drowning in the pool and i just swallowed a bunch of water because i was thinking about that and not breathing correctly you see what i mean some of the things that goldacre talks about is that there are five five little little you know cute things that we humans like to do so one is we see patterns where there is only random noise so for example with the clouds um it's just a bunch of random clouds but we like to see a dog or a face or a bicycle Number two, we see causal relationships where there are none. Um, So that's like with the swimmer and the pre-race things or like gamblers with their little things. Three is we overvalue confirmatory info for our hypotheses. So that can be like you being like, I think um, a bottle of Coke will help uh, with my stomach ache. And then you go and you like only – you only see – the results for coke helping stomach aches it's like you okay let's say let's say there's two stories there's one that was like oh my god like chugging a bottle of coke helped my stomach ache and then there's another article that's like oh chugging a bottle of coke made me so bloated and gassy that it actually made my stomach ache worse but even though you saw both of the articles you like valued the one that confirmed you thinking that coke actually does help your stomach ache And then we also, we purposely seek out confirmatory information for our hypotheses. So it's like, you searching, is Coke good for stomach aches? Rather than like, what are, what are good remedies for stomach aches? You know, like you're, you're purposely trying to figure out like, is Coke good for your stomach ache? And you're purposely finding information about that rather than being like, oh, are there better remedies than Coke for my stomach ache? And then number five is our assessment of the quality of the new evidence is biased by our previous beliefs. When we when we look for information that confirms what we already believe, 
we think that it's like it's just so much better and then we'll purposely try to find faults in the other argument even though there are faults in our original like there can be faults on both arguments like one like coke being helpful for a stomach ache and then one like coke being actually horrible for a stomach ache and then we can find purposely try to look for faults in the other argument and ignore all the faults in our own you see that like actually pretty often in like science when some researchers try to like disprove another kind of argument i don't know it's like you disproving the opposition does not make your point any more valid we seem to be more drawn to like interesting information and so for example we all know that like ginger is like a super good remedy for a lot of different things but it's like you saw oh like you can drink coke and you're like oh my god i love coke like that's so interesting i didn't know that it did that so you're more drawn to that information i don't know why i'm so stuck on this example but information that looks interesting like a shark attack the number of people at the beach every single day is insane and then the number of shark attacks is maybe like once in like a blue moon you know like our eyes are drawn to shark attack news that when we see like two news articles about shark attacks in like a week you're like oh my god the waters are infested like clearly sharks are infesting the waters now and killing people because i just saw two articles in one week even though those may be the only shark attacks that you see for the next six months but because you saw it twice in one week and that seemed to catch your attention you're like oh my god you seem to like overvalue that over like the actual statistics of like humans killing sharks and versus like sharks killing humans you know also as people because we are very socially driven we like to feel good you know who wants to be in a friend group that makes you feel stupid and horrible so we tend to be around people who are very like-minded we don't exactly love being questioned or um criticized we like to be around people who validate our beliefs and so for example like the the proud boys you know they're like they're like white supremacists and all that these people like they sell themselves as like a club and so they're like oh my god it's like this cool little cute little club that like men can join and then they start like you know indoctrinating them into the white supremacy all that kind of stuff it's like now we're all gonna dress the same and we're all gonna like echo chamber our thoughts we love existing in validating spaces and so very rarely do we seek out opposition to our beliefs and so that's why we have organizations that like and cults that just seem to do the weirdest craziest things and have the weirdest beliefs because no one in that group will challenge it. And, like, they also don't let people in who do challenge the beliefs. So it's, like, obviously why, like, how would how would anyone get through to them, right? Humans also tend to assume positive characteristics together, like, that that they're, you know, in tandem with each other. So, for example, like, we think that attractive people are good people, 
Uh, if they're pleasing to my eye, then maybe they're good people in society. Or if someone is kind, we're like, oh, okay, maybe they're also pretty smart, you know. Um, we tend to do that kind of those types of leaps in logic. So like an experiment that they've done was they took like the same essay, but one uh, with messy handwriting and one with neat handwriting. And then they had them get scored by graders. Even though there was like the same content, the messy handwriting got scored worse than the neat one because they automatically assumed that the neat handwriting kid may be more intelligent or like something like that. Anyways, this just kind of shows how fallible humans are. And I, I just like... I think no matter what your intelligence is or how you want to measure that, like humans are just like predisposed to believe some really crazy things. And it's, it's not because like smart people in particular are more keen on believing stupid things. I just think all humans are easily, you know, biased. Before we get to how to challenge your beliefs. So this article by uh, Barry Davrit, he observes three types of people in the world. <laughs> so I just thought this was funny. So one is smart people who are too arrogant to admit that they're wrong. <laughs> two is dumb people who think that they're smart, but also too arrogant to admit that they're wrong. And three, people who have accepted their fallibility. So... Obviously, like, when you say it that way, like, it's kind of embarrassing to be part of groups one and two. Um, you don't really want to be too arrogant to admit that you're, that you're wrong and just, like, believe something blindly without evidence. How can you accept your fallibility and do better? Obviously, recognize your biases. Like, why why do you think that way? Like, question yourself. Like, why am I assuming this? Um, you know, you might look at someone with tattoos and be like, oh, I think they, they might be more aggressive or they might be mean. And then you should maybe cut yourself in that moment and be like, why, why do I think that? Why am I associating, uh, tattoos with aggression or like them being not a great person when it's literally just like art? on their body. Recognize your biases, question yourself. I think also is like purposely try to seek out other opinions. I think it's really easy, uh, especially within this like age of algorithms. Uh, we very much are trapped in kind of the information because we're constantly being fed information. They want to keep us, you know, on their app. So they'll feed us information that we're interested in. And unfortunately, that means that they will create like that echo chamber for us where it's like I lean this way politically and I like if I see something in the opposing side, obviously, I'm going to exit the app because I don't want to see it. So they're going to purposely feed me information that I want to see because it's going to keep me on the app. Like they don't they don't really they don't care about misinformation or not like they just want your attention because that's what makes some money like sometimes you do want to try to understand the other side and as much as it kind of sucks to have to do that maybe you might learn some things or you might you know be able to try to understand 
where other people are coming from and where their logic is lying so that you can have like a, a great conversation about why, you know, your beliefs are different. Also, I think something that is really important is just simply like admitting when you're wrong. Yeah, you can feel shame about it, but like in the end of the day, I think it takes a lot of confidence and courage to admit when you're wrong, and not everyone can do that. So instead of seeing it as like, oh shoot, like I messed up, it's a mistake, like think of it as like, oh, you know, this is this is a challenge, you know, I am owning up to my mistake. I think that's what makes some great, really great people out there like super great is that they're able to admit when they're not sure of something or Charles Darwin, for example, like in his like journals or whatnot in the Galapagos was like, oh, I think that this is what happens. He never was like, oh, I'm like perfectly and like utterly sure that this is why life is how it is. It was always like, a, oh, I I think maybe this is, you know, he was never like fully convinced. I think that's what makes smart people actually smart is the fact that if you change your perception about something and you can adopt a new reality, I think that makes you seem a lot smarter than if you just blindly followed one thing just because you're so like truly convinced of it. That was my kind of kind of rant let me know if i should do more things like this do more like background research again links and like book titles and whatnot will be in the description stay safe out there as always you can contact me dm me your ideas or if you want to discuss anything that i talked about in more detail i know like my thoughts are all over the place and i'm trying to do better at organizing them so let me know what your thoughts are and if I was confusing or if you wanted clarification on something, I created an Instagram account for this podcast called bedrot.thoughts on Instagram. DM me, all of that. I hope to see you around and let me know if there's another topic you want me to discuss. Bye, I guess.